Welcome to Brave. Be inspired by the best leaders of Southeast Asia tech. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. I'm Jeremy Ao, a VC founder and father. Join us for transcripts, analysis, and community at www.jeremyao.com. Hey, Reggie. Hey. Good to see you. For those who don't know you yet, how would you describe yourself? My name is Reggie, and I host Singapore's number one financial literacy podcast. Uh, it's called The Financial Coconut, but I think we are a little bit more than personal finance at this point in time. It's like a podcast network. So I would say we are the only serious guys in town at this moment in time. So yeah, we run the proudly the first podcast network in Singapore. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. You know, we got to know each other from being part of the On Deck Podcasting Fellowship. So that was a fun thing where we got to meet each other. And I was like, wait, there's one other person in Singapore. There are a few others. Well, there's a few others. But but I was like, yeah. And then we started hanging out. Mm-hmm. There's a few others. But I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And we got to hang out. And that's how we got to know each other. Mm-hmm. We had Steamboat, yes. <laughs> but I think like On Deck was quite an experience because it was from the US, right? So we kind of had to tune in in like super odd hours. So I remember those few weeks, my sleep cycle was so messed up. But anyway, <laughs> so it's all part of being brave, right? All part of like kind of jutting through this whole cycle to, to get to where I want to get to. So it's all, it's all good time, good time. But if you ask me, will I do it again? I won't. I won't ever do it again. Choruses from the other side of the world, man. It messed up my life, yes. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was just like, thankfully they let you consume it asynchronously now, right? So you can yeah. uh, watch it later. So yeah, I think that's yeah, the way yeah. to do it. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. that's that's a good part. Mm. So, Reggie, I think you got to ask a question. So, why did you get started uh, building out a podcast called The Financial Coconut? I was so irritated with fake gurus. I don't think I need to elaborate what is a fake guru, right? Wait, or do you need me to elaborate what's a fake guru? Like, you know those yeah, guys? can we do some do some simulations <laughs> of what a fake guru does? Yeah. In a, <laughs> give me twenty five seconds of your time. You know those guys that disturb you on like Facebook and YouTube and all that jazz? So, so the general idea was I was very irritated with them. Firstly, disturbing my videos. Secondly, stroking unnecessary anxiety and fear and, you know, selling outsized hope to myself and, and kind of like my friends around, right? So I thought like, okay, let me just pick up a microphone and just record and share my thoughts and just kind of put it out there. And it kind of blew up from there, right? So I wasn't like very strategic about it. I know these days… When people think of starting a podcast, they're a little bit more strategic, core audience, what are you doing? What are you going for? What's the strategy, etc. At that point in time, I was just kind of reacting to all these fake gurus and I was just recording some of the things that I think are best practices. And that's about it. Right. And then we shared and it just got shared on socials and one after another and just kind of grew. Right. So, so that was the, the part. Essentially a reaction to all these guys. Yeah, it's nice to be frustrated about this. And turns out <laughs> there's a lot of people who are frustrated like you about mm. all that stuff, right? I mean, yeah. it blows my mind because you got to live a YouTube ads. But still, some of it is just like, whoa, like if you really knew all of that, why aren't you trading instead of teaching? Which is… I know. You know. I know. Um, I don't have a problem with basic education, actually. I don't have an issue with teaching or education or courses. But as I said, sometimes they frame it up in such a predatory way that just frustrates me to no end. Yes, yes. I don't have an issue with courses. I don't have an issue with people charging like 
pretty pricey for courses and all that, like close to like a month's salary and all that stuff. I, I don't think it's exactly a problem. The problem is like what you say, right? Predatory practices, the way they sell it, they make it sound like, hey, this is like your miracle pill. Come for this course, it's going to solve all your shit, you know? But the reality is it is not the case. And a lot of the things that they're teaching you, honestly, you could kind of just pick it up from a few books. Yeah, you can kind of refine your way through the process. It's not that difficult. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my base case. And the podcast, as a reaction to that, was finding a lot of resonance. But I chose the other path, right? So a lot of people, there was a period of time in Singapore and maybe in a lot of parts of the world, like CoffeeZilla and all that guys, right? They were trying to like do all these shaming of all these fake gurus, right? So they were like calling them out and breaking down their sales pitch and all that stuff. So that's like, okay, it's cool. I mean, you're telling people how they do it, give people a little bit more awareness. It's great, you know? But for me, I've decided to take on the other side. Instead of shaming the seller, I decide to kind of educate the buyer, just share with them like, hey, this is how probably you should do it. These are the best practices out there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What are the core ideas about personal finance? And I thought that was a much better angle. You can keep shaming these guys and you can keep breaking down their schemes and all that. But hey, at some point, people are craving for all these really because of an absence of understanding, right? They want to essentially get some frameworks to work with, right? So I decided to, hey, let's go with the buy side. Teach all these buyers how to be smarter and all that stuff. Amazing. And why the name Financial Coconut? Because I know you get that question all the time, but you got to share it with my audience here. Like at some point you were like, wow, this is the name that's going to make us go viral. Or was this because you just randomly just thought about it? Dude, enough. Stop asking me this question. <laughs> Everyone asks me this question and then I have all these pictures coming. Say, hey, how about we start the financial pineapple lah, right? We do Mandarin version. So essentially, you know, the, the podcast eventually will become a financial fruit basket, okay? But the general idea was, I just like the fruit. Like I'm a big fan of the kalapa, right? So I'm a big fan of the coconut. And then I was like, hey, you think about it, right? When do you really have coconuts? You know, there's only two stereotypical situations in Asia that you have coconuts. One is when you're having lunch or dinner, like the food court or hawker center, right? And then the other stereotypical situation is when you're at the beach. Like you're just chilling, you're hanging out and you do your thing, right? And so I was like, yeah, let's just call it the coconut. And the financial coconut was easy for people to kind of understand like, what is this for? You know, because there are a lot of people trying to create a lot of interesting names and all that, but it makes it very hard for people to understand what is this podcast about. But with finance in the word, it's just like, yeah, it's about finance. So that's kind of where it is. Being chill about your finances, it's part of the financial coconut. Yeah, that's amazing. And what's it like getting all these questions all the time about it? Because I mean, you know, you do a bunch of Q&As, people are asking you questions all the time. What's it like to be handling and processing and answering questions? Mm -hmm. you, you mean like about the coconut or like about personal finance? <laughs> uh, both, I guess. I mean, because they're going to ask you about a coconut, they're asking you about personal yeah, issues as well. Yeah, it's always the first question. It's always the first question. I don't know why. It's always the first question. Like, they have to ask about the coconut. I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to like just look at the website or just I'm going to ask, listen to this podcast, okay? Once and for all, I've already explained why this is financial coconut. Don't ask me anymore. But yeah, I do have a lot of people. I go into a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews, and people ask me all sorts of personal finance questions. It's not easy giving people the answer. A few things. Number one is individualism in the way you manage your personal finance. There are broad ideas, okay? There are broad ideas, broad frameworks that I've already talked about extensively on the podcast. And when I go into other people's podcasts, I tend not to like to talk about it, but I get boxed in. 
So everybody wants me to talk about personal finance. But I'm like, dude, I've already recorded like 150 episodes about personal finance. Can you just go and listen? But, but generally, that's the idea. But it's either way, it is still fun. But it does feel a little bit like, how am I going to give you answers? Because especially when I go into podcasters that are not very well-versed in personal finance, like they don't understand the space very well, they would want me to have that kind of very punchy one-liners. People want to cut it out and become like this like social shareable kind of thing. So all these punchy one-liners go around on a lot of podcasts, self-help, communication, entrepreneurship, and all that stuff. But because I've become the voice of personal finance, I'm just extremely cautious about that. And I always ask them like, hey, what do you actually want to know? Give me an example, like what are the parameters that we're looking at? And then I can give you some sort of objective feedback or advice from there. Overall, it's a big push for frameworks, big push for understanding best practices and not so much about like, yeah, do this, buy that, do that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think there's something I also noticed as well, right? Because a lot of people are reaching out to me now about, okay, how do I build my startup? How should I fundraise? This issue of the board, how do I go about tackling it? And I'm like, okay, this is not… <laughs> I know you think you gave me a descriptive email with four sentences. And there's probably like more sentences than mm-hmm. the most emails. And, but it's still not enough to really make a very wise decision in a very complicated topic. And so, you know, sometimes I'm able to point them to an episode we talked about it before. Sometimes I have to point them to other people who are more sophisticated than me at it. And sometimes I point them and say like, okay, we can have a quick chat about it. Mm. But it really depends, right? Yes. And, and that's the fun part about having your own podcast. You can just kind of point them to like, uh, yeah, just go listen to episode 13, 45, and 86. Just kind of download it, listen to it, and you get a general idea. You don't need me to repeat again. Yeah, so I, I do think like more people that are in the creative space or like in the smart content space, they should do their own podcast. Whether or not it becomes big, that's another question. But it's really about just kind of documenting your idea. So when people ask you about it, then you can be like, yeah, you know, just go here. Makes your life easy. Yeah, and I think one interesting part about it is also because it's not about, you know, obviously repeating which is actually an inconvenience for sure. And it's also the fact that you get to go deeper because if someone has actually read the basic summary of previous materials that you already recorded or written down, then at least if you do have that conversation, they can actually go deeper into it, right? Mm. And have a more sophisticated thing. And sometimes when they do that, then I'm like, okay, I'm happy to have this conversation because it's a deeper level of thing, right? Yes. And of course, if I can record it, it's even better. So sometimes I ask them and say, hey, can I record? this more advanced version of the question you're asking. Yes. Hopefully the next time, the guy's going to be like a genius because he's already listened to two episodes worth of the same topic and then now he's coming in with his third set of questions. But I think that's how I think about it quite a bit. Yeah. So, you know, obviously what's interesting as well is that you and I are taking advantage of this new medium called podcasting, right? We had a fun time chatting about it over hot pot. One of the questions that we were kind of thinking about is just like, why is podcasting, you know, so popular these days? 10 years ago, podcasting really didn't exist. Mm. I think, you know, only the past few years where it started to become more mainstream in America. And now I still think it's a bit early, even in Southeast Asia as well. So I'm just kind of curious what you're thinking about this. The other day, I was on like an editorial interview with, I don't know if I can name drop, but yeah, one of the one of the newspapers, okay? They're not published yet, but one of that. And then the producer was like, oh yeah, so you know, you're a veteran podcast. I'm like, dude, I've just been doing this for 18 months. 
you know, why am I a veteran now? It's like, oh, okay, so because you, you're considered like much, much longer. It's like, this space is very young, you know, we're all like very young here. <laughs> but, but it is a thing, right? And, and I do think two main reasons. One is the rise of distribution. People were already producing a lot of audio content or like video content pre-YouTube. And all these subsequent streaming services made video consumption so much easier. Right, so audio is following the same path with Spotify coming in. They're definitely improving their whole ecosystem of supporting podcasts and all that jazz. And then like Apple Podcasts, Audible, you know, everybody's doing all that. And it's making it a lot easier stream. You don't need to download anymore. Apparently, I've talked to like some really veteran podcasters. Like before podcasting was a word, they record it, they post it on the website. And if you're listening, you have to go and download that audio file, load it into your MP3. And then you kind of bring around and then you listen on your iPod Nano or something. Right? So that was like super old school. So reach was, you, you have to be super invested to want to consume like that. But I think because of the distribution today, because of technology, it makes it so much easier. So that is definitely one reason why people are consuming more of it. And then the other reason probably is because more money is going around. Right, so more advertisers, more people are recognizing the medium. A lot of people that have listened to a lot of podcasts are very happy to support their favorite podcasters so that they can continue to produce content, right? So all these uh, monetization strategies and more money being in the space, it's like a network effect, right? It's a cycle. More money, more people, more people, more money, more money, more people, right? So it's just kinda, it just kind of grows that way. So generally, my baseline is that it is these two reasons. Not because hardware technology is much better, no. It's... Hardware has always been pretty good. Of course, it's relatively more affordable these days, but yeah, distribution and money. That's my base idea. Yeah, I totally agree about that. I think one last thing I think about is just like the availability of AirPods or headphones. Because I think it was easier to watch a visual while you're traveling, etc. But it's hard to hear a good podcast if you don't have uh, earbuds. Uh, so that's an important part of it. Yeah. One of the podcasters was talking about this like, Podcast is actually a super intimate medium because you don't really have people listening to podcasts. They just kind of set it up on the side in their room and then it just plays out to everybody. No, it does not. Most people, when they listen to podcasts, it's like earphones in your ears and then you're like kind of whispering to them. Right? So it's an extremely intimate medium if you think about it. So nice voice does help. And I find that a lot of the listeners that I meet after that, they have this impression that they know me very well already. Like when I meet them, it's like, yeah, I know all this about you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, you know, like that's cool, but tell me more about yourself. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun thing with podcast and uh, as a medium, I think underexplored for sure. You know, a lot of people are playing around, so that's great. There's something I noticed as well. They know about you because obviously they read about you online, but now they also got to hear your voice. More interestingly is that you don't know anything about them effectively in comparison to how much they know about you. So it's, it's less about the fact they know more about you. It's more about the fact that they know about you and you don't know about them. And that's the tricky part. You're just like, okay, I know we want to talk about all these things they want to talk about. It's just that, just give me yeah, like yeah, but... the two-minute download on who you are, right? Because I want to know who you are yes, yes. as as a, yes, as a yes, human yes. being. Yes, yes. They always get so excited and I totally get why they're so excited. Good stuff. But honestly, it gets a little scary at times. I was like, okay, relax, relax. Fill me in about yourself before we vibe, right? Yes, yes, control. What's interesting is that so many folks are asking themselves, should I set up a podcast? 
and of course, there's a bunch of questions about later why and how and so so forth. But what is your thoughts about advice to someone who's asking you, like, should I set up a podcast? The cheesy answer is always like, no, don't set it up. <laughs> the amount of work that goes into it is very real. Although I do recognize that video is a lot harder in terms of the dimension, right? There's lights, there's like footage, animation, post, and a lot of those things. It's a lot more complicated. Yes, I get that. But audio is kind of different. And I do think it's not for everybody, but I do recommend everybody to try, right? Give it a shot, but it may not be your thing. You may not get there and it's okay if you don't, but yeah, give it a shot, try it. But if you really want to do it from a more strategic standpoint, that is a lot, lot of work and it's very different compared to if you're just kind of like, you know, three friends get it together. We want to talk about menstrual cycle thing or, <laughs> or some like social stigma thing or, or something, right? I think there are a lot of like people doing a lot of this kind of podcast, which is great and it's cool, do your thing. But yeah, if you're trying to do things that are more strategic, it gets a little tricky because there are like goals, you're trying to hit certain things, there are numbers that you're trying to meet. And all that jazz becomes like work. It's not as hobbying anymore, right? It's, it's very like, okay, which kind of guests do we want? What is our audience profile? Who are we trying to speak to? What is our target number? What are download rates? You know, where do we distribute? Do we do email lists? Do we have blasters? Do we start a telegram group? Do we need a website? It's no different from setting up another e-commerce, mini e-commerce store or something like that with one product. It's kind of the same whole set of things and people don't realize that. So yeah, I do recommend people to start and play around, get simple mics and just kind of do your thing. But if you really want to go pro and you really want to do it serious, then the workload is very different. Yeah, there's a lot of truth there. And I think you kind of hit the crux of it. It's like, are you doing it for fun? Or are you doing it for some sort of goal, right? Mm. Because I think doing it for fun is so easy because you literally just take your mic and you just produce and create what you want to create. People recording themselves playing guitar, right? People ask me like, oh, I want to do a podcast for fun. I always like, 100% yes, go for it. Mm -hmm. And then when they're like, oh, I want to achieve this goal and I just I want to set this podcast. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. is that an easier way to get there? You know, like, because, you know, it's like going back to the guitar channel thing. It's like saying like, oh, I want to like build a business playing the guitar. And I'm like, well, do you enjoy playing the guitar? And the answer is no. There's a desynchronization there, right? Because mm. your goal is to create a business, but you don't like playing the guitar. In this case, if you want to get a goal, but you don't like hosting. You don't like setting up the gear or thinking about the production and distribution according there. Then you're like, this may not be the right channel or medium for you to accomplish those goals because you just don't like it intrinsically, right? Mm. Which is, I think, a big part of it. It's true. And in personal experience, I didn't start a podcast thinking that I want to go pro. I just did a podcast because I had nothing much to do and I had a lot of things to say. That was, so it was like kind of like a fun thing at first, right? So I, I was recording and just like kind of bitching around, sharing my thoughts and, you know, all, all that jazz. Apparently people found it useful, so great. But it was a lot more about self-expression and just kind of putting my thoughts out. But at some point, it became like, hmm, are we going to make this into a business? Right? So if you're going to make this into a business, then the discussion now is very different. So it's like, how do we consistently produce? How do we, you know, consistently recruit and cast calls for guests? How do we connect with our audience and produce what they want? And then every step along the way, from being a hobbyist to 
taking a little bit more serious and getting some sort of like system going on with consistent production and understanding your audience. And then going into the business monetization part of it with talking to sponsors, talking to advertisers, affiliates, or even like monetizing within your community. Every step of the way is like a big leap. Because when I look at it now, I don't think it's a big leap because I've already been there, done that. But if you are doing it on your own, right from the get-go, every step is heart-wrenching experience. Like, really? Is it that difficult? I just want to talk. But yes, dude, it is that difficult. Yes, every step along the way. <laughs> yeah, but happy to share my experience. Happy to share my thoughts if you have any questions, yes. Yeah, I totally agree with you about the fact that it's actually much harder than you think. And so it's on the outside and consumption side, it feels very easy to consume. And so it feels easy also because there's talking. But actually, there's a lot of stuff that's just happening in the background, right? The editing, the production, the distribution. Those are very big words, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes in yes, there. Yes, yes. I, I know, I know. And a cute story. So I've been recruiting my listeners. We have a Telegram group and then we'll be like, hey, we need someone to do transcribing. Anybody is interested. Of course, we pay them and all that jazz, but it's fun to have your own community to do it because they're vested, right? So, so that's fun and great. But then recently, everyone was late in a team call and then I was just kind of chatting with one of them. And then she was like, hey, you know, I just want to tell you that as a consumer, it was so easy. But after I came to the back, like joining the team, I know, now I know the kind of amount of work that goes into that. So yeah, life experience there, you know, it's, it's like exactly like what Jeremy said. It's just so much additional work that people don't see. Yeah. I was just talking to someone who's like released about 10 episodes so far. He was asking me for advice. How do I slowly do that? And I told him, I said, hey, there's something called pod fade, right? Which is where lots of podcasts would die around the 10 to 20 episode mark. Yes. So I said, right now, the only advice I can give you is don't try to increase your frequency. Don't try to do anything fancy. The trick that you have to do now is just keep going for another 40 more episodes, like once a week for the next one year, like once every, twice a month for 12 months. Just have that routine where it fits in your life and you know you can keep going. Because if you can do that, then everything else will follow, right? The distribution, the improvement, the iteration. If you over like ramp and you get too aggressive on what you're trying to produce and create, then you just end up burning out. There's no point having the world's best website if you're just not having fun. Yes. Pod fade is a real thing. I know a lot of people actually pod fade and fade it out. But I had pod fade about the 20th episode, 30th episode mark. But I was already about recording by then. So I always binge record like because I have so many things to say and my podcast is very short form. So I could just kind of like break down things and keep it short. So I already had a lot, a lot of content recorded. I maybe had like two months, eight to 10 episodes of content recorded already. So during that pod fade period, I had that bandwidth to like really ask myself, do I really want to do this? Because I had time. So if you can, like what Jeremy said, right? Like either you can just kind of cruise through and keep recording every episode or you can use my strategy, which is about record. So you have time to think. I think that fits me a little bit better. Because at some point, you will run out of things to say and you really got to study to say more. Because I'm doing monologues. It's different from dialogues. Right? So dialogues are like interview, you just keep getting good guests and all that jazz. So we also do dialogues. But for my monologues, it's just me talking to my audience and trying to explain something or trying to educate them about something. And at some point, there's only so much I know. So I had to like go and pick up new things and I, had, I need that bandwidth to learn and then translate it into a language where my community can understand. So that is a 
whole different set of work doing monologues that way. Wow, you just unlocked something for me, right? I also similarly had some pod fade. And mine is all interviews, you know, one-on-one interviews because I tried that. I did do a few monologues, just experiment. And I realized that I felt to myself, I felt like a crazy person just talking to myself. <laughs> and so it didn't work for me, unfortunately, <laughs> as a farmer. <laughs> In terms of how I was producing, right? I just felt like, I was like, oh my God, just talking to myself. I think that's where the pod was coming in. It was because there was a network of people who I thought were great guests, but I didn't necessarily have to work at all to get them on the show because... There was someone I co-founded a business with. There's someone that I helped tremendously and they helped me a lot as well over the path, right? Or, and they fit the target. I know it's going to be a great conversation, full stop, no matter what. And I'm going to have fun doing it no matter what because I'm just going to treat it as a way to catch up. And I think the part kicks in because you're like, whoa, I need to start talking to people who I haven't talked to for a while, who I know fit their profile and persona. I also know I should have a good conversation, but I haven't talked to them for like, one, two years. So you have to reach out, do harder. Or there's other way around, other folks that you don't really know. So you're pushing that network larger for the conversations that you want to have. Mm. And at the same point in time, like you said, you know, still it's pretty early. You don't have that much success in that sense. And so you're like, wow, I'm doing all this work now all of a sudden. <laughs> and it's becoming less fun. And I think that's where the, the pain is, right? At that pot fade side. Thankfully, I had some, you know, bug edits and stuff like that. So I think at some point I had three or four months of like material and and I just nice. honestly didn't record much for three months. Also because it was kind of embarrassing to talk to a guest and then be like, okay, your episode is in six months or whatever. <laughs> but also… <laughs> dude, dude, tell… You know, I, I'm at a level where all my guests come in and they, they record. It's all at least three to four months out before it gets published. All right, so… We're, same, we're, same yeah, now, yeah. yeah. And, I'm like so not Pisces. I'm so not shy about this. I'll tell them that if you want me to push it up, you can sponsor the podcast and we will kind of push it ahead to meet your marketing timeline and all that jazz. So because we're in finance, right? So people in finance, they're pretty used to, you know, paying and sponsoring. So it's not that difficult. But I know what you say when all these guests, maybe they're not in the content circuit. They're not always talking. They're not always on interviews. So finally, you, you think they're very cool. You think they have a lot to share. And you get them on. And you think like, yeah, you know, you got them on. And they're very excited. And then they share everything. And after they ask you, bro, when is this going to come out? It's like, hmm, October. And then they'll be like, ha, so long. <laughs> but, but that's the, the reality, guys. If you want to go on popular podcast, there is a waiting time. There is a, there is a long, long journey. <laughs> we have increased the frequency of our time, right? Mm, uh, so mm. for myself, I already bumped myself up from once a week to twice a week. Yeah. I still have that long line of around four, I think around four months now, maybe going up to five or six based on the upcoming schedule. And then similar for you also, you're not only broadcasting on your shows in terms of frequency increase, but also multiple shows as well. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're at the point where it was so difficult at first to bump up to like two. I think I'm still struggling to keep up with two episodes because it's not just interviews. Like we have monologues and interviews and then we have four or five other... I don't even know how many shows we have running because we have a team now. Producers taking care of a lot of production. We have other hosts in the network. So it's like, oh my God, so many things going on. I've reached a point where I cannot even keep up. Like, how is that that podcast coming along? How is this project with these guys coming along, right? And then once a week, I have to come in to meet the team. I was like, oh, okay, okay, good, good. Let's carry on. <laughs> but it's all a step-by-step thing. But yeah, I do think that if we bring it back to Shoot You podcast, I do think that you should try. You never know, will it make it big? But it's same as investing in any other thing. 
you want to double down if you see a little bit of results. And if you don't, then maybe it could just stay as a hobby. It's a fun thing. And then you can just go and do something else. Like I actually wrote a book before. And I realized that writing is not my medium. I cannot invigorate anyone through words. Some of my friends, maybe they laugh because they're like insider jokes and all. But it's not my thing. But I tried it and it was extremely cathartic. It was a great experience. So I take that same idea to, towards podcasting for hobbyists. Right? So if you just want to have fun, do your thing. But if you want to go pro, see some results, be a little bit more strategic, can talk to Jeremy, talk to myself. How do we do it, right? Different, different little bits of strategies here and there, which can go on and on. And we can do like five episodes just on, just on like how to podcast. But yeah, do it. Play around with it. But GoPro, I would make sure you have some results first. Yeah, I think that's a tough part for everybody because there's that dynamic, right? It's like, what is pro? What is success? Just have fun, right? Just make sure the topic that you want to talk about is something that you already talk about all the time with your friends and colleagues. Mm. And if you're not talking about it organically, you can't do a show on this topic. And it's not just one topic, it's also multiple topics. So people are like, oh, I feel too boxed in this one topic. And I'm like, no, just do more. Do the ones you like. I, I actually take a different stance on this. My topics are very boxed in. It's personal finances. I love mental health. I'm extremely interested in politics. I mean, we had a lot of good discussion, but I don't talk about all that on the podcast. It depends on, um, are you building the podcast around you or are you building the podcast around a brand? So I've chose to go the brand path, which is the show is a show. I'm just a host within the show. I'm not like Joe Rogan experience. You know, I'm not the Jeremy Owl show or something like that, right? We're not building a show in our name. We're building a show in a brand. So within the brand, whether it's TFC, Brave, or, or what kind of brand, there's a brand identity. And I believe that you got to stick to that within that frame of the brand. Because audience tune in for a particular reason. Okay, if I listen to a philosophy podcast, I don't want the next, next week suddenly they talk about sexuality. I was like, hmm, it's maybe, yeah, we can stretch into philosophy, yes, but it's a little bit of a stretch. You, you really have to talk to me about it, right? So I do think at some point you want to stretch your audience a little bit, but there is a barrier. There is a, a place where you have to stop. That is kind of where I see it. Honestly, on our platform, we've already stretched it like crazy. Careers, entrepreneurship, property investing, stock and everything. We've already so stretched, right? And anymore, we'll start to talk about like therapy, family therapy, whatever you, whatever you not, right? So it's, it's, it's that thing. I do think you want to stick to the core. Don't stretch too far. Yeah, that's, that's my base idea. Yeah. For a lot of people, when they start a podcast, if you want to do it for fun, great, do it for everything, right? But if you want to do it for fun, but at the same time, think that it may become a thing for you, it may become a business for you, it may become a project for you, then a little bit of advertiser persona will be important. You know, so if you want to talk about like politics or if you want to talk about social issues, you will have a hard time finding sponsors because it's very hard for brands or sponsors to come into a particular topic. Generally, that's my idea. So if you want to make it into a business, then go for certain spaces that people are spending money to acquire customers and all that jazz. Yeah, that's my base idea. Yeah, there's a lot of truth there. And I think what I like is the differentiation actually between the two types of shows, right? People who are around the personal person as a brand versus like the problem solutions as a brand. And I think if you go through the podcast top 10, you see both of those, right? Joe Rogan Experience, He's talking to everybody, right? Mm, mm, I think they all have the same sense where people are really there for Joe Rogan and his interactions with all kinds of different folks. And then, like you said, there's other shows that are much more like yours, for example, like the financial help on personal finance. 
And I remember for me personally, I was like bouncing between those two things. And I still don't think I've got the mix just right. But I think one thing I've come to accept more is just like, it's okay for me to be about how I view the world and what I find inspirational and the stories that I look at as brave. And I think that's something that took a while because I was like always talking for someone else. Mm. And at some point I was like, you know what? I'm just going to trust that at the end of the day, I'm going to be selecting, like you said, and curating a set of folks that I think are good conversations. And I think what's interesting is I'm going to let my listeners choose what they want to listen to. I don't think they listen to everything, right? And then I think they'll just vote with their pause button, right? You know, or the play button, whether they like it or not. So if I do something that's a bit too far out, they're just not going to say yes to it. And interesting, some of the stuff that the data will tell us. And it was interesting yeah, where, data will tell for example, us. I was, like you said, I have a bit of interest in like society and community. So I started looking at some of those intersections between technology and society. And I saw there was actually a good chunk of people who kind of followed along and were very interested in it because it's something that was taught about, right? And it was something a little bit fresh to cleanse the palate from all these founders and VCs. I know, I know, I know what you mean, yeah. Recently on my main show, I've handed over the interview portion to another host because we're growing all these things. So we need more personalities and I need more bandwidth. Extremely painful, but I've handed over the interview segments to another host, essentially. And that was the time when I felt like, yeah, you know, creating a brand around a brand gives me that room to take a break. It gives me that room to be like, it's fine. You know, imagine if I start another Joe Rogan experience and I have to be there. As Joe Rogan, you cannot not be around, right? And it's like, oh, my name is Harry and I'm going to take over Joe Rogan experience. Like, hmm. It's kind of weird, right? It's kind of weird. So yeah, I, I do believe that if you can grow a brand for a brand, then at times you can take a holiday, you know? Like people can actually give you the break. You can try other things. Yeah, that's definitely true. I definitely had to reschedule some stuff because I needed to take a holiday. And then I was like, sorry, I got to move on my podcast interviews off for the week so I can travel. Mm. No guarantee of internet connection. So I was kind of curious a little bit about this. You've definitely grown quite a bit. And what are you excited to be building in this upcoming year? Every year I set a theme. Okay, so I try not to have too many goals in a year, only to have to create this very nuanced strategy to kind of achieve all of them. So I try to take the other path, which is like every year we'll do one thing and we'll try to do this better. And then with all this, next year I'll do something else, right? So this year's focus was really to monetize the podcast and to make it into an actual profitable venture where we can actually hire people and it can have a life of its own and you know it can kind of grow and grow and grow. That was essentially the goal and we are making it happen. So that's great. Like we have all the banks, insurance companies, everyone you can think of in the finance space that wants to reach the retail guys we are in conversation or we've already signed a deal. So that is amazing where that is going. So yeah, hoping that by the end of the year, we could make that a profitable venture, hire a profit team, just kind of keep it going and see what happens next. Yeah, generally that's the idea. And then I can free up my time to explore other creative stuff, like different kind of podcasts or like peripheral podcasts or peripheral content. So yeah, that's kind of where it is. Ooh, you're getting itchy to explore and found new formats and topics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I started with monologues and then it became dialogues because I ran out of things to say. I was like, oh, let me just interview someone. I know they have more things to tell me. And then it became a thing. Also, it became a feature of the podcast. So now, you know, there are monologue dialogues. And eventually we have to go into narrative, right? So now that there's a crew, we have producers, we have post producers, everybody in-house. 
And they'll be like, hey guys, you want to stretch yourself a little bit? Shall we do some narratives? So yeah, we're going to do a narrative podcast about property investing in Singapore. It's coming out very soon. So I'm very excited about that. Wow, that'll be really interesting to see how that uh, goes. And one last question here, of course, is could you share with us a time where you've had to be brave to kind of overcome adversity or challenge in your professional or personal journey? I honestly think I had to be brave so often that I no longer feel like I'm being brave anymore. Not not because like I'm trying to flatter myself, but just because I always take the path less traveled. Like I have this inner rebel in me and I always want to take the other path. It's like everyone's walking here. Let me try this other thing. And to do that, you always need some sort of bravery to kind of make that happen. But specifically, I think the craziest one was I was part of a financial scam. Accidentally, I was part of a financial scam because I was like young and dumb and like you don't know much. So I was part of it. Maybe that's also why I'm like so big on personal finance because been there, done that, do all the crazy shit. Now I tell you what the fuck's going on, right? I went through that phase of coming out of that thing. And that was crazy. Coming out of a cult, coming out of a financial scam. That was the most painful shit. And it lasted for like three or four years, to be exact. It's not like, oh, once you leave, you're done. You can kind of reacclimatize. I had to reacclimatize to kind of know what is actually the reality here. (laughs) There is a certain way of thinking. And it's very obscure, very weird. And I'm sure Jeremy understands this. Not that you know, but you've studied enough about social stuff. So this whole cult thing, it's very scary. And when I came out, wow, it's so painful. And I had a lot of friends that were no longer with me because of all that jazz that went through. But it was really that few people that I still have till today that really kept me going. I was literally waking up and showering and then lying on my bed watching YouTube all the way until I eat and sleep again. I was going through that crazy, crazy, you know, messy shit. But I had a few friends who, they did very simple things, okay? Very, very simple things without going too emotional and touchy. It was just like, hey bro, wanna go gym? You know, I literally wait the whole week for this one guy to ask me to go to gym. And I was like, okay la, go gym la. Then I wear my clothes and I go gym. Just with this one guy to do this one thing. And this one other friend, they'll be like, hey bro, want to go dinner? And then he'll drive all the way to my house downstairs, pick me up and then we go for dinner. And that was the only two things that I was really doing for like maybe close to half a year. But as it picks up, as I talk to them, I feel a bit better and, you know, I get to interact with other people and… You know, when, once you go out there, there's a lot more casual bumps and casual interaction with other people. So then, you know, it kind of helps the whole psyche and all. So that was really hard. And without spiraling into the abyss, that was quite a brave moment. Yeah, and a process. And I got to thank all these people. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, bro. Heavy shit. Why do people fall into all these financial cults? Honestly, I don't think I've enough research to tell you, but anecdotal experience tells me that for a lot of these people, including myself at a moment in time, we're seeking a little bit of hope. Right? Which is why there's actually a correlation. There's some study out there to say that during terrible financial times, there's a rise in scams, all forms of it. I think a lot of people, other than being practical, they really were seeking a little bit of hope to try to change their lives. Which is why I get extremely personal when I see all these fake gurus selling outsized hopes online. And I was like, dude, I've been there, done that. It's rubbish. And some of these guys, probably not all of them, but some of these people are going to be spending very important whatever money that they have, which is not probably not a lot, into this stupid program. 
The best case will be that they learn some things and then after that they realize, okay, maybe it's not enough. I got to improve further. And then somehow they make that thing work. Okay, that's great for them. But the worst case can really go into the level of like, they get hooked into this course circuit or they hooked into this like financial cult circuit that they keep spending, keep spending, and keep spending and they get milked. And that is crazy. So to me, it's that desire for hope, the desire for change. And for some people, maybe a desire for recognition, which is also probably why a lot of young people are going digital, they're going online, and they're finding their space, they're finding their medium to express and all that great stuff. Look at us, we're doing audio podcasts and all. We're not on like radio. Radio is full. As society progresses, there's always a lot of systems that are already filled. There's a system here, there's an equilibrium, power structure is set up. You have no place to go. You need a place to express. So people go elsewhere, right? They go to a different country, they go to a different state, they try a different career, up-and-coming industry, they go digital, and some people may end up accidentally in these kind of scams. Wow, that's, that's rough. Well, well bro, I, I remember this was supposed to be like a fun podcast. Like we did say <laughs> we're going to make this a fun podcast, but wow, that was, that's heavy, that's heavy. That's heavy. <laughs> Well, and it's also true, right? Mm. Hopefully, it's helpful for people who are out there and they know someone who's going through some struggles or you know going through a similar cult or whatever it is. It's it's not an uncommon experience, actually. I do talk about a little bit of this you know, throughout my podcast, and I had a few listeners actually DM me and, and they tell me that like they were going through similar experiences and all that. And then I met them up and just kind of share with them my thoughts, my experience, third person viewpoint give them a little bit of like strategy and comfort to know that, hey, you know, it's going to be painful, like super painful. But if you feel that there is more to life, then yeah, there will probably be more to life. It's kind of, it's a phase of life you got to go through. And like you said, it's not uncommon. Just people don't talk about it. If you guys, anyone listening is going through something or you feel like you're going through something or feel like someone's going through something, you can always DM me and I can try to support you if, however I can. Yes. Sometimes I'm not very responsive because recently I'm just like super occupied. But, but you know, priority goes to all my fellow friends uh, going through this process and this phase of uncouting yourself. Woof. Wow. Thank you so much for helping talk about it so that it's less unspoken, right? Because it feels shameful to acknowledge that it was a cult, so that's painful to feel. And then you, it feels tough to be feel that you've been suckered about it and it feels tough to share that with other people because now you worry about other people saying like oh this person is so dumb or so stupid or so whatever right mm. so it sucks the mm. stigma it is it is I've come so far but it's still painful honestly like telling you all these I still feel like oh the emotions like I can feel it it's definitely not as crazy as before at least now I can talk about it like even on air it's, it's painful it's real um, it takes time so if, if you're going through something, hey, you, you need some time. You need you need to breathe and you need to heal. So that's a process. Mm. Oh, thank you for sharing about your grief and how you've been recovering and helping others through it as well. So Reggie, just wrapping things up here. Thank you so much for coming to the show. I think there are three big teams that I got from you uh, that I'd like to recap. The first, of course, was the fun conversation about podcasting as a medium, about why it's popular, why it's growing, why it's uh, increasing. And a lot of the outside-in view about what a podcast is in terms of consumption and production. 
And then the second thing I really enjoyed, of course, was more like the insider point of view, <laughs> which is what's it like to be producing in terms of the actual war stories of Pot Fade and us trying to get through and figure out what's going on. And then also our slightly divergent, but also similar views on what to focus on, how to go about producing, what the brand should be about, and how to manage your lifestyle around podcasting. So that's been also a ton of fun. And then lastly, of course, is thank you so much for not just being brave to kind of emerge from that financial cult and use that to be a better person, but also thank you so much for being brave to transform that hurt and grief into, like I said, Singapore's top financial literacy podcast and help others through the process. And also lastly, thank you so much for being brave to share that experience and how it transformed that into the podcast by sharing that experience with me. And so I feel very honored that you told me this. And I'm sure anybody listening in must be feeling some gratitude to you for just being okay with sharing with it and normalizing it. So thank you so much, Reggie. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's fun. It's quite an experience. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this episode with friends and colleagues. Sign up at www.jeremyow.com to discuss this episode with other community members in our forum. Stay well and stay brave.